All right, we'll go ahead and let the kids be dismissed. And we will turn to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. All right, it is good to be back. I am thankful for Brother Gary. I called him at 7.30 on Sunday morning. I said, any chance you're still in town? He said, yep. I said, any chance you want to preach for me today? He said, sure. I said, great. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'm thankful for him and uh, his willingness to love our church and to come and help us out. And uh, I'm excited everybody got to catch up with them again. Um, and I hope that you're praying for Brother Gary as well as the other missionaries. And we'll hear from Brother Roland next week, Lord willing, in our anniversary service. He won't be here, but he's sending in a video. And uh, so we'll hear from him, uh, Lord willing, next week. He said that he will, so we'll see. We'll see what happens from there, but excited about that as well. All right, Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look at the idea of go to Nineveh. Uh, we're going to be talking about how we react when God gives us a command, specifically a command that we don't want to do. Uh, I don't know if you've ever received one of those before I have. And, uh, and so this morning I want us to look, we'll look at the book of Jonah. It's a great example. And there's a lot of lessons in it that can teach us what to do when God tells us to do something. So let's start Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of uh, Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come upon or has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Skip over to chapter three. And look in verse number 10, the last verse of chapter 3, and we'll uh, run into chapter 4 as well. It says, And God saw their works, the people of Nineveh, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that He had said that He would do unto them, and He did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah is a great uh, uh, um, lesson, a great person that we can learn many lessons from. And uh, we can go a number of different directions through the book of Jonah. But today we're going to focus on this thought, go to Nineveh. Lord, I pray that you would help us today. I pray that you would help me. I pray that you would uh, clear my mind of distraction. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we look into your word that we'd learn from it, we'd grow from it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to present this clearly and correctly. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's Jonah. We know the story of Jonah and the whale. And Jonah uh, is told to do something and he says, I don't want to do that. And so he decides he's going to flee, as it says in verse 3 of chapter 1, from the presence of the Lord. Here's a hint for you. You can't do that. Uh, God is everywhere. You cannot flee from the presence of the Lord. But Jonah said, I'm going to try. 
And so he gets on a boat to head to Tarshish, and we know the, the story as the storm came and the waves came, and, and the men of the boat, uh, we'll look at them in a moment as well. And eventually Jonah says, it's my fault that we're in this storm, throw me overboard. And after a little bit of question, the men did, they threw Jonah overboard. And as Jonah's treading water, then in the book of Jonah it says a large fish, in Hebrews it says a whale, came and swallowed up Jonah. And Jonah sat in the belly of the, the fish for three days and three nights. He finally called God, and he said, God, I was wrong. God says, you bet you were. And he said, uh, the punishment isn't over yet. You get to get vomited out by the whale. So the, uh, the big fish throws him up, spits him up, whatever you want to say, out on land. And uh, Jonah decides to go to Nineveh. Then we see Jonah preaching in Nineveh, as God told him to do. And we see the Ninevites repenting of their evil. So God says, I will in turn not destroy you as I said that I would. Jonah says, as we read in, in chapter 4, God, isn't this what I said was going to happen? I find it interesting in chapter 4, this is the only time in the Bible that you'll read these phrases in an angry tone. He says, uh, Jonah says, I knew that thou art gracious, a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. Well, usually that's a, that's a good thing. Lord, thank you for being merciful to me. Lord, thank you for being gracious to me. Lord, thank you for being slow to anger towards me. But Jonah here was angry about these great attributes of God. And so we see that he says in verse 3 of chapter 4, it would be just better for me to die. Well, how did he get there? What's going on? Well, what happened is, is God gave him a command that he didn't like. So point number one today is what happens when you do not like the, the command that God has given you? Well, we see what Jonah did. Jonah ran. He ran. He fled, it says in verse number two, um, or verse number three, excuse me, that he fled unto Tarshish. He was trying to get away from the presence of God. Jonah had no intention of obeying God in this command. Jonah was, was being spoken to by the Lord, and probably at the beginning he was excited. God's speaking to me. And God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. Well, why did Jonah not like Nineveh? Nineveh was very, very hard on Jonah's people. More than likely, Jonah had lost family members due to the oppression and the, the, uh, uh, the, the severity of, of the people of Nineveh. They were very cruel people, a very, uh, a very bad people. And uh, <clears throat> Jonah didn't have any interest in seeing God save Nineveh. I can't think of too many places today or, or people today that I would say, God, whatever you do, don't save them. Um, <clears throat> there may have been a time in my younger, immature days that, that I would have said that, but I can't think of anybody that I, would, that I could say, no, God, whatever you do, do not save those people. Jonah had no interest in seeing Nineveh come to the Lord, had no interest in seeing Nineveh saved and seeing Nineveh uh, not destroyed. Jonah had no interest in that. So he had no uh, uh, intention of obeying God as soon as God told him uh, to do this. Maybe he had that uh, mentality that you hear sometimes missionaries talk about, I'll go anywhere but Africa, and then the Lord called me to Africa. Uh, I don't know if Jonah, I never said that as a kid because I was scared to death that if I said that, that God would send me somewhere I didn't want to go. So I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere but Hawaii. And um, <clears throat> apparently it doesn't work like that. But, um, <laughs> but Jonah, maybe he had that mentality. Lord, I would go anywhere but not Nineveh. 
Well, God had said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And what Jonah did was he ran. What do you do when uh, you are commanded by God to do something that you don't like? What are some commandments that we have from God? Well, there's a number of them, but here's just a few. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Okay. Well, what Christ gave his life for the church, and uh, Christ gave very sacrificially. Christ was very unselfish in his love toward the church. I I like to be a little selfish in my love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. Boy, that's a... In the church, usually it's not that big of a deal, but in society today, when they're told to submit, that's not a positive thing. Um, they don't want to do that. Wives, submit to your husband. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do. I know because I'm a husband, and I know that I'm not easy to submit to sometimes. Pray for all that are in authority. That can be hard sometimes, a commandment that God gives us to do. Well, God, this guy, he's a kind of a, a dope. I don't really want to pray for him. I'd be okay if he fails and doesn't get voted in again. Pray for all that are in authority. Love your enemy. Well, that's really hard. At least it is for me. I don't know about for you. That's not easy. Take up your cross and follow Him. Deny yourself. Love your neighbor. Be a servant. Go ye into all the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate. There's all kinds of commands that God gives us. And how oftentimes are we given a command to do something that God wants us to do and we say, I don't really want to do that. Well, what's the reaction that you have? Are you like Jonah and you say, well, I'm going to run from this. I'm going to try to hide from the presence of God. Some people try to hide by doing something good. Well, if I can serve in this area, if I can give in this way, if I can do this thing, then maybe God will forget that He's told me to do this or that He's told me to give up this or that He's told me to whatever it may be. And we try to hide from the presence of God by doing something that we think might appease God enough that He'll no longer ask me to do these things. Think about the command and the Great Commission to go into all the world and to preach to every creature. There are different ways that we do that. One is individually. We go into whoever we can meet and whoever we can talk to and we share the gospel with as many people as God's put in front of us. Another way that we do that through the church, the commission was given to the church, the Great Commission was. And so another way we do that is we send out people to go out and reach the people that we can't reach. And so we send out missionaries to plant churches and to train up disciples and to, and to, to reach different aspects of the world that we personally will not get to. Now obviously at our church we have four uh, missionaries that we support. Three of them are uh, in Europe. Um, and then one is, you know, travels around, helps start churches, the Rollins, and then Brother Gary as well, who is preaching in different churches, usually in the States. And we say, okay, well, is that enough? Are we done with the Great Commission now? Well, obviously not. Are we ever going to accomplish the Great Commission in our lifetime? I will say this, it's possible. At the rate we're going, no, but it is possible. And if it was not possible, God wouldn't have said, I can help you do it. Because he says that I have the power to do so, and I'm with you. So if it was not possible, God wouldn't have said that. It is possible with God's help, but we've got to get busy. We've got to get going. So God says, preach to every creature. Go into all the world. Okay, well, God, in order for me to do that, either I have to get more active, or I have to send more people. In most cases, it's both. I have to get more active, and I have to send more people. Well, what does that take from us? It takes time. 
Time, I think, is the hardest thing for a Christian to give. Um, we can give money, we can throw money at problems and think, okay, I did my part. But when it comes to taking personal time out of my busy schedule, that's something that's really hard for me to give up. And it is for, for many people, from my understanding. So God says, okay, well, you have to go and reach, reach people. You have to go become a fisher of men. You have to go and get the gospel out, spread the seed. Okay, well, that means I'm going to have to give a little bit more of my time to do so. Oftentimes we say, well, God, I, I'm too busy. <laughs> um, we are busy. There's, there's, we're, not, we're not lying when we say we're busy. But are we too busy to obey God? That's a problem. So we say, I'm too busy. Then we say, uh, we need to send more missionaries. Well, Lord, I'm already given this much money a month. How much more do you want me to give? Well, he says, I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> he'll tell you if you ask him how much more he wants you to give. Here at the church, we do faith promise missions. Every year in August or July, depending on when it falls, <clears throat> we, do a, uh, we turn in our faith promise commitments. How much between you and God that you are committing to give towards missions each month or a one-time gift or whatever it is that you do. Every year, that me and my wife have done this. We started this back when we were in Tennessee, um, just attending church and, and whatnot. Every year, we've always tried and always have raised, uh, if it's as much as $5, whatever it is, we've always tried to do more. And, uh, and it's always interesting to me when it comes that time of the year again, me and my wife, um, we pray about it individually and not together. Now, some people would say that's bad. We pray about it individually. Lord, what do you want us to give? I pray. And Katie prays, Lord, what do you want us to give? She prays. Then we come together and say, what did the Lord tell you? Nine times out of ten, it matches, which is incredible to me. The other times, Katie always comes in higher <laughs> than me. Um, and, so, and so I go, well, all right. Well, let's go with the higher number. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, so so we, we give. And we give knowing that, okay, this is a, a reach for us, so to say. This is not going to be just extra cash for us. This is something that we believe God has told us He wants us to give. And we believe that God will provide what He's told us to give. And so we just give. And there are times where God says, give this. Maybe it's for something else. God says, give this. And you go, well, that's kind of a lot of money, Lord. I've got some bills coming up. I've got a trip coming up I'm saving for. I've got these different things. If I give that amount, it's going to take away from something else. So we think, well, what else can I do? You see, Jonah was told, go to Nineveh. And he goes, I don't want to go to Nineveh. So he ran. We get told to, 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 to reach the world with the gospel. And we go, well, I'm too busy and I don't have that money. And so, so we, we hide from it. We run from it. We don't do what God has told us to do. What will you do when God commands you to do something you don't want to do? You should go to Nineveh. <clears throat> Jonah, where did he eventually end up? He ended up in Nineveh. <laughs> God wants you to do something, just do it. And save the trip in the, 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 the big fish's belly. Save the nastiness that came with that and the fear that came with the storm. Just go to Nineveh. Others will be affected by your disobedience. Look in chapter 1, verse number 4. It says, But the Lord sent a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, 
and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten, the lo- uh, lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. He had no idea what was happening. Yet everybody else on the ship was fearing for their lives. Oftentimes, our disobedience, we sit there, uh, what we think is under the radar, and we don't realize the effect that our disobedience is having on others around us. As a husband and as a father, for me, my disobedience affects my family in ways that oftentimes I don't find out about till later. And I think, well, my wife doesn't know that God told me to do this. My kids don't know that God's told me to do this. So, so my disobedience doesn't, they don't know anything about it. But it's yet, it's still affecting them. See, here on the ship, Jonah was asleep, but everybody else was still being affected. Look in verse 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, uh, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Uh, I've had to say that in church before. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, he says, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if, uh, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Here they come to Jonah, and they say, Would you wake up, please, and start praying to your God? Because our gods aren't hearing us. We need as many gods listening as possible. Get up and pray. Our disobedience will affect other people. It will affect relationships. It will affect authority. It will affect uh, different things in your life. So just go to Nineveh. Look in verse 13 uh, in chapter 1. They've been praying. They've been throwing things overboard. Um, uh, Jonah says, you need to throw me overboard. Look in verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought with, and was temptuous against them. You cannot out-paddle God. Here, they, the, uh, Jonah said, you, you have to get rid of me, and the men, they think, well, that's not very nice, which I find amazing. I would have thrown them over immediately. But uh, the men said, that's not very nice. We can't do that. And so they say, we're just going to try to row harder and try to make it the land. We can do this. You cannot outpaddle God. God's wrath was upon that ship because of Jonah. And the only way for that ship to find salvation was to get rid of Jonah. And so obviously, eventually they did. It's just not worth the trouble you're going to go through disobeying God. My parents would always tell me as a kid, um, when I got in trouble, it would have just been easier had you just obeyed. It would have just been easier had you not lied. It would have just been easier had you, had you been home on time. It would have just been easier had you whatever it is. And the reality is, it's the same thing I tell my kids now. Well, Dad, I don't, I don't want to get punished. Well, then you probably shouldn't talk to your mom that way. Well, then you probably shouldn't have done that. Probably shouldn't have punched your brother or kicked the dog or whatever it is that you did. Shouldn't have done it. It's easier if we just obey God. So when God says go to Nineveh, may I encourage you today, just go to Nineveh. When God says to give, would you just give? When God says to do, would you just do? When God says to whatever it is that He commands you to do, just go. Go to Nineveh. Number two, what happens when God tells you to love people that you do not already love? Look in verse 2 and verse 3 again in chapter 1. He says, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, arose up to, to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of God. Look in chapter 3, um, again in verse number 10, as we read already in our text. 
they repented in verse 10 of chapter 3, chapter 4. It says it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he even prayed to God and he said, uh, Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? This is why I fled to Tarshish because I knew you were going to forgive Nineveh. What happens when God tells you to love someone that you don't already love? Well, those people are too evil. Those people are too poor. They're too rich. They're too close. They're too far. They're too foreign. They're too young. They're too old. Whatever it is, God says, love them. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. That encompasses everybody. Love the, love the people in this world. And you come across people and you say, well, Lord, I, I don't love them already. This is going to be a difficult decision for me. Look in chapter 4, verse 11, the last verse of the chapter. God has forgiven Nineveh, and Jonah's thrown his hissy fit, and he's uh, pouted, and all that sort of thing. And it comes down to verse uh, number 11. And it says, And should not I, God speaking to Jonah, and should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? and also much cattle. God is talking about here the, I believe, the children who are, as much as we can say it, innocent. They're sinners, yes, but they're not the moms and the dads. They're not the warriors who have gone out and raided places. And here God says, Should I not spare Nineveh if for no other reason for the six score thousand young people? Sometimes, in our effort to condemn the guilty, we forget the innocent. We say, well, I don't like those, that co-worker of mine. And so because we don't like them, we never share with them the gospel. And because we don't share with them the gospel, their children are at home, and they never hear the gospel. In our effort to condemn the guilty, we forget the innocent. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Will every creature get saved? No, they will not. Verse 16 of Mark 16 says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. So why should we share the gospel at all? Well, the Bible answers that for us in 2 Corinthians 6.15. Christ died for all. It is not our job to judge. This is not what the Bible says. It is not our job uh, to judge who should be allowed to come to Christ. It is our job to get the gospel to every creature. So many times we say, well, that person doesn't deserve God's love. Remember, you don't deserve God's love. And I don't, I've never met a Christian who would say that out, outspokenly, that person doesn't deserve God's love, but in our refusal to share the gospel with them, what we are saying is that person doesn't deserve God's love. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and he says they don't deserve God's forgiveness. They don't deserve God's love. God says that's not your job. You're not the judge of the world. I am. You're also not the savior of the world. I am. You go to Nineveh. I'll take care of the rest. Oftentimes we get in this, this pious attitude. Sometimes it's just plain simple fear. We won't talk to people either because we're too pious or because we're too afraid. We won't go and share the gospel, but God says go into all the world. That word all is pretty important. Preach to every creature. That word every is pretty important. 
yet we surpass so many people and do not share the gospel with them. <clears throat> we may not say or even think that the person is not worthy of God's love, but our actions will say it for us. God told Jonah, love Nineveh. God told Jonah, preach to Nineveh. And Jonah said they don't deserve God's love and they don't deserve God's forgiveness. You know what Jonah did? He preached to the people of Nineveh. He didn't want to. And this is intriguing to me because God said go to Nineveh. And of course, first he did not, but he eventually went. You think that Jonah preached with the right attitude in Nineveh? <laughs> he gets up there and he preached. But do you think Jonah preached with great fervor, great energy? You think he was out there preaching the boldest and most uh, amazing message? I think Jonah was sitting around mumbling under his breath. I believe Jonah didn't have a heart for what he was saying. I've been guilty of that before. Preaching a message that my heart wasn't behind it. I have watched God do things in people's lives and messages that at the end of the message I go, boy, that just wasted everybody's time. And then you hear results from what God did in someone's life. And they'll share with you, um, you know, God spoke to me about this today and, and, it's, and this is what I'm going to do now to fix it. Or weeks later, people come up and say, you preached on this a few weeks ago and God really spoke to me. And I sit there and go, how? <laughs> I was monotone. I was tired. I, I, was, I just got through it as fast as I could. Whatever it was. You see, God says go, and God's going to do the work. He does every time. So even though Jonah didn't have a heart for the people of Nineveh, and I'm not saying go through life and don't have a heart for what God's telling you to do. That's not what I'm saying. But we see here Jonah goes and he preaches to Nineveh. And what happens? Look in verse number... Uh, let me make sure I'm not jumping ahead of myself. Let's come back to that. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Uh, let's go to point number three. So point number one is what do you do when you do not like the command God has given you? Point number two, what do you do when God tells you to love people you do not already love? Number three, what do you do when God forgives those who we do not forgive? Look in verse number five of chapter three. Verse number five of chapter three. So the people of Nineveh believed God. That's important too. I've circled in my Bible the word God. They did not believe Jonah. They believed God. They believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Uh, let them not feed nor drink water. But let every man... Excuse me, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? This is an interesting decree by the king, and I believe it's important for us to note here the king. It was just not, not just an action of sackcloth and ashes. But look what he says there again in verse number 8 in the middle of the verse. Let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence. There was an understanding here. It's not just a, a, a one-time... Let me make sure I'm clear on this. When we get saved, it's at one moment. When we 
but we see here this is not just a one-time thing from the king. He says, he says, hey, let's do right right now so that God will forgive us. No, he says everybody needs to stop. Stop killing people. Stop raiding towns. Everybody needs to stop their violence and they need to turn away from their evil way. The king said their evil way. There was an understanding here of what was necessary for them. The repentance here that was going to take place. And then we read in verse 10 that God saw their works and he turned from their, that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil and he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. So God forgives Nineveh. <laughs> what do we do when God forgives those who we do not forgive? Jonah was bitter at the people of Nineveh. He was not angry at their sin. Sometimes we meet a person who is just so wicked and we just go, oh, man, that person's so bad. They're so evil. They're so sinful. They hate God. They despise God. They despise the things of God. And we just we ache for them because of their wickedness. Jonah, he didn't ache because of their wickedness. He was bitter at them. He had no love whatsoever for them. He had not forgiven them, and he was bitter against them. And when you have sin in your life, you forget God's goodness to you, and you have a wrong view of God's goodness to others. In our life, we get so caught up with the things that people do towards us, and we get so mad at people, and we get so bitter at people. And because we are bitter at someone else, we don't see, we forget how good God has been to us, and we don't see how good God can be to others. And here we are in our own minds, maybe not verbally saying, but our actions prove that we think they don't deserve God's goodness. And somehow we put ourselves up on a pedestal and I did deserve it, they don't deserve it. You know what? The people of Nineveh are no different than you and I. We read in verses 6 through 10 that they repented. It's the same thing I had to do. It's no different. We can look at and we could pull up the history of the people of Nineveh and just all the, the cruel, and they were very, very violent people. I've never uh, hurt a person on purpose. I've never, I've never punched anybody other than, you know, silly friends, punch them in the arm, whatever. Uh, never angrily hit someone. I've never purposefully hurt someone. I'm not anywhere near violent as the people of Nineveh are. Yet I was just as guilty as the people of Nineveh were. I had to do the same thing that the people of Nineveh had to do, and I'm the same, same sort of wicked as the people of Nineveh were. I'm the same sort of sinful as my neighbors are. I'm the same sort of sinful as politicians are. I'm the same sort of sinful as anybody else is. God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not my job to judge who can and cannot be saved, who will and will not be saved. It's my job to share the gospel to every creature. And when God says, Vince, go to Nineveh, I can either run, hide, or I can go. I don't know what God's commanded you to do uh, overall. I know some of the basics that God's commanded you to do, but let me encourage you with this. When God gives you a command you don't like, just go to Nineveh. 
Don't beat around the bush. Don't try to make up some kind of new plan. Don't try to uh, overcompensate so that God will forget that He asked you. Just go to Nineveh. When God tells you to love people you do not already love, man, I encourage you just to love them. I know that's easier said than done, but God can help you. Just love them. When God forgives someone who you've not forgiven, may I encourage you, forgive them. It's hurting you, not them. You've heard that before. If I've done someone wrong and I go and I say, I, I'm, I did you wrong and I'm truly sorry for it, please forgive me, and they say no, there's no skin off my back. <laughs> it's going to be on them. They're going to suffer from that, not me. I've done right. I've done what I was supposed to do. Yet many times we see people in, in our lives and, and they did something to us, and oftentimes they don't even know what they've done. Sometimes they have. And we get bitter at them, we hold against them, and then we see God do things for them, we see God bless them, and we think, wait a second. No, they were mean to me. They said this about me or to me, or they looked at me this way or whatever it is. We've not forgiven them, even though God has. Just go to Nineveh. It'll be simpler on everybody. You should just go to Nineveh. I know it's simple. I know it's basic. But if we'll just obey God, everything works out the way it's supposed to work out. You'll find blessings that you didn't realize you were going to get when you just obey God. You'll find, and we talked about this with Samson a couple weeks ago, God has a will and God has a purpose and God has a plan. You don't surprise Him with your disobedience or with your obedience. God's going to accomplish His will. The question is, is are you going to be a part of it for the betterment? Or are you going to be along for the suffering? I feel for Jonah in some ways because I know that like Jonah, I, I oftentimes don't view people the way that God wants me to view people. I think he goes a little too far in chapter 4. After God forgives him, he goes up in verse number uh, 4. Uh, God says to, to Jonah, uh, Doest thou well to be angry? And Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and uh, there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. I think he still had some hope in his, in his mind that God would not forgive Nineveh. So he went up there and sat where he could see the city to see what would be made of the city. In verse number 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad for the gourd. I think Jonah thought for a moment, this is just my opinion, but I believe Jonah thought as that gourd came up miraculously to cover him, to shade him, I think he thought, all right, God's with me. He's on my side. He understands how bad Nineveh is. <laughs> Verse number 7, But God prepared a warm when the morning rose the next day and smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement he, uh, east wind, that means a hot wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah. So not only a hot wind, but the sun was there, and Jonah fainted and wished in himself to die. This is not the first time. And said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night, and should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Isn't it interesting to see Jonah's his anger that that poor gourd died overnight? The things that we choose to get 
angry about, passionate about, the things we choose to get passionate about are oftentimes very silly. I'm a huge sports fan. I, I love sports. I, I've, I've grown up. My dad was a big sports fan. Football was kind of our thing. Um, I, uh, uh, I was named after a football coach. My son's named after a football player. And uh, so we're kind of weird in our house. But uh, I've, I've grown and matured over time and realized that who really cares if my sports team loses? Our first year as a church, it was January, I believe, if I remember correctly. And we came to church. Green Bay Packers were playing the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC Championship game. When I came into church, the Packers were winning by, I think, a couple scores. And Adam was there. And we got done with our service, and, and uh, we're talking around, and I pull out my phone, you know, just kind of casual to see how many we won by. We lost. I say we. I didn't do anything. The Packers lost. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. We came in, I mean, it was seven minutes left, maybe 11 minutes, I don't remember. It wasn't a whole lot of time left. We were up by multiple scores, and, uh, and we lost. I thought, man, well, that stinks. <laughs> you know, I, I was kind of bummed, kind of down. I remember another time, and <laughs> I was in Indiana pastoring, and uh, the NFL had, a, had an official strike. The referees were on strike because they weren't getting paid enough. So they had these horrible officials in. And the Packers were playing the Seahawks again. I hate the Seahawks. Uh, they were playing the Seahawks again. And, and at the very end of the game, the Seahawks threw a Hail Mary to the, to the end zone. And the Packers intercepted it in the end zone. I cheered very quietly because at the time we had a young baby sleeping. And so I cheered very quietly in the living room. I was so excited. Then they said on the TV, they're going to review it. So they reviewed it. And they showed on the review that the Packers intercepted it. Game's over. The official comes out and says, Seattle touchdown. I said, what? No way. Impossible. The commentator said, what? No way. Impossible. Yet still the Seahawks won the game. It took me about two days to get over that. I know that sounds silly, and it is silly, and it was not wise on my end. I was passionate about it. But why? Did it affect me in my life in any way, shape, or form? No, it did not. Um, I, I'm not a part of the team. I don't get paid for their games, anything like that. Um, it affected me in a way, yet I was passionate about it, and it affected my attitude. It affected my mood for more than, much longer than it should have. You see, the things in life that we get passionate about oftentimes aren't the things of God. We aren't passionate about the commands that God gives us to go into all the world and, and to preach to every creature. We're not passionate about loving our neighbors. We're not passionate about loving our enemies. We're not passionate about praying for all. We're not passionate about uh, being the right kind of husband or the right kind of wife or the right kind of parent or the right kind of child. We're not passionate about the things of God. And God's saying, go to Nineveh, and we're going, well, too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too whatever. Whatever God commands you to do, just do it. Just go to Nineveh. Lord, I pray for your help when needed. Obedience is something that we must do. It's a decision that we must make, that we must choose to do. But Lord, we need your help and your strength as we fight off the temptation of Satan to, to put it aside, the commands that you've given us to do something different, to run, to flee, whatever it may be. Lord, we need your help to obey. And God, I pray that you would strengthen us today, that you would strengthen us in our knowledge of who you are, God, that you would strengthen us in our knowledge of who we are. God, that we would know our, our place. Lord, that we would see the benefit of obedience to you. Lord, that we'd see the detriment of disobedience to you. God, I pray that as you tell us to do something, that we would go, that we would do. 
what you've told us to do. Lord, I pray that when you tell us to love someone, that we would love them. Lord, that you, when you tell us to forgive someone, that we would forgive them. God, may we not be like Jonah and live a life of disobedience, a life on the run, a life of misery. <clears throat> but Lord, would you help us to love your commandments, to love you, so that we can better obey you. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I just want to ask you this and encourage you with this. Whatever it is the Lord's told you, told you to do and you are currently battling against, may I encourage you just to, to go, just to give in, to understand that God's way is the best way. And that when God's told you to do something, you can guarantee that He's going to help you accomplish it, that He's going to reward you for your obedience as well. Trust God. Trust that He knows what is best for you. And trust that He is your loving Father and that He's only doing what He's doing to help you. Follow Him and do what, he's, what He says. Lord, again, I close with this. Help us today. If there's changes in our lives that need to be made, Lord, help us to make those changes. Open our eyes and our heart to receive exactly what You want for us. And may we follow You, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Thank you for your good attention this morning. Let's get set up for uh, lunch. And once we have everything set up, we will pray and we will eat.